You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Hey, you're listening to Flipping Tables, episode 150, our final, and as Mike reminded me right before we started recording, 151st episode of Flipping <laughs> Tables. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm Michael Edwards. And uh, yeah, I think we announced it, what, two, three, four episodes ago that this something 150 like that. was going to be it, something like that. Um, so this is going to be a lot of uh, sad reminiscing. I think, uh, you. what do you have? What are you drinking? Oh, I'm drinking uh, some Bullet uh, Rye whiskey right here. Just straight. You got whiskey stones yeah, in there. The rocks. Or I got an ice cube, special okay. freezer mold, giant ice cube. Not a not a single drop of water or something. <laughs> no, I'm, I didn't splash it. <laughs> I have. Uh, I I don't normally drink while we record, um, but I do. In fact, have a whiskey and ginger ale right here in a uh, gigantic Tervis mug, so I don't spill it. So <laughs> I look kind of like a dangerous alcoholic, but. <laughs> That's functional okay. hiding it alcoholic yeah it's it's probably fine i'm in my home where i'm safe i haven't lied about what's in the container <laughs> so i think i'm still in like the safe space <laughs> okay um but i think before we let the reminiscing kind of go full throttle um i do have a few like sunrise robot fun facts i i compiled and unfortunately i couldn't get the hard data I wanted, but I was able to get like rough <laughs> ranges. So here we go. It's good enough for government work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so over the life of Sunrise Robot, which includes the year of uh, flipping tables before we migrated to Sunrise Robot or we started Sunrise Robot, uh, 80,000 plus total downloads of, of all of our shows. Awesome. That's I think that's a pretty respectable number for you know a hobby like we did a little we like dipped our toe a little bit in advertising but i mean we didn't really market super hard like all, <laughs> all of my, that is is word of mouth all my extra ipads downloading the full feed really paid off <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean i just have like a an array of iphones just <laughs> deleting and redownloading and deleting and redownloading so it's it's actually closer to eight total downloads but <laughs> um but yeah that's i, I think uh for six shows, a couple of which were sort of like in and out of hiatus because they didn't have like super consistent schedules. Like yeah. 80,000 downloads ain't nothing. Not at all. Um, really, really proud of what we did. And, as uh, we'll say over and over for this episode. <laughs> that's right. Uh, we also have uh, 356 plus total episodes. And the reason I don't have a hard number on that, which I totally should have a hard number on, is because uh, Eclectic Readers Book Club is uh, continuing on after Sunrise Robot, uh, and they uh, their last main episode just released four days ago on the 15th, uh, but they may release a few special interview episodes before they actually migrate to their new host. So Sunrise Robot is home to nearly a year's worth of episodes of our, our six different shows. You could... Go into the archive and listen to a different episode every single day for a year and then take a week off for Christmas and then, <laughs> and then come back and start over. Yeah. Um, you could throw in the CO Online podcast if we need to pad that up to a year. Nah. <laughs> nah. Said, we we want to talk about things we're proud of, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, 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 no, there was some good stuff in there. David but I mean, versus David. Okay. So there was one good episode in there. <laughs> 
Um, but what do you what do you think of these numbers? Like when when you actually see these out, like is this is this surprising to you at all? Is this kind of about the amount of work it felt like? I mean, I, I have this internal cynical person in my head that's always like running myself down, which I know is like something I should put to death. Well, it's because um, you're but, a creative person. But see, like uh, not see you online. Uh, <laughs> Sunrise Robot <laughs> has been one of the things that I point myself to to be like, dude, look, you're achieving stuff like. Um, it's, it's long been an example in my life of dedication to doing something well consistently and not just the burst of inspiration where one weekend you do something nice. It's like, no, we did this every week and for the other shows, maybe a little less often, but still plenty of great (laughs) stuff in the other shows. Well, so, uh, bits and pieces, the show you run with, uh, Matt, Mm -hmm. you guys started every week and then it was just a little too much but you didn't kill it. You were like, let's recalibrate so we can keep it going. Yeah. Just the the amount of topics and our pace of being active in our own music just felt better to be every other week to to have good material. Yeah. But I I think it's saying something that like this, it it has taken a fairly substantial amount of circumstantial pressure to have to, to sunset this. Like, it's not like, Oh, we're just tired. Like, 151 episodes consistently i think twice i could i should check but i really don't want to know but i I think twice we released on a wednesday instead of a tuesday and then there's a a handful of episodes where you were traveling or i was unavailable so 151 episodes weekly straight you know with we didn't we didn't take breaks for holidays we didn't take breaks for anything super proud yeah so let the uh, back padding continue. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about a little bit about like how we got started. And I know we, we talked about this a little bit when we announced uh, Sunrise Robot originally. Um, but where'd this nonsense come from? Flipping tables specifically. Well, you have to, you know, have your dreamy music as the wavy effect happens on the video as we go oh, back that, in time. You, like the harp? The like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday kind of thing. <laughs> um, we both worked at the same place. This was how I met you. And this is how we discovered at work that all day, every day was like a podcast episode as we argued about anything related to work. And tech was a deep part of our work because we worked for an online, see online, which supported faculty and all this stuff using technology. So we had lots of opinions and we weren't shy about them. And um, it was just so entertaining, like ranting about things together that it just seemed like, why don't we, you know, start a podcast it's like the perfect format for people who rant about things but but is the world ready for the opinions <laughs> of two white guys like i just i don't know if there's a market for this <laughs> i'm not sure um, <laughs> and uh so and i mean I, tech seemed like the obvious like common ground that and gaming and stuff and so it just seemed like the perfect chance to like hey, Nintendo seems to be screwing lots of things up, and Ender's Game is a weird movie. Why don't we just start talking about these things? And, uh, you know, I remember after we did the first episode, it was like, you know, should we do, like, maybe next month we'll do one? And then right after we (laughs) recorded, I was like, next week? And it's like, sure. (laughs) And then it was like there was no ramp up. It wasn't like, well, we'll do once every month, and then once every... It was just like immediate, like, yep, we're doing this. Well, and I, I had the benefit of, at that time, I got to just be the talent, right? So, you, you know, you're you're a musician, you have all this equipment, and you have the, the editing know-how to produce the files. The technology part of it is actually not that complicated. Like, you upload an MP3 to a server. Um, so, for you to say, like, hey, I'm going to take on all the technical burden. Can you just be loud 
but in front of a microphone <laughs> was like that was a pretty easy proposition for me <laughs> yeah like, i just have to have opinions i can do that yeah i'm all about this um, and and it, so how did we how did we start what was the early recording days like oh man um i mean even i've grown a lot in like mixing voices even though it's like podcasts you're gonna get into as you learn to edit how it's not as hard as like mixing a song which is way more in depth for what you need to do to make it sound good but nonetheless um you know just slapping the mics we have in front of us, talking at them <laughs> roughly, <laughs> and then uh, pulling it together into a, a nice MP3. But, you know, I, I can't overstate um, how janky our initial setup was for hosting this, <laughs> this whole thing, um, which we got into in episode 52, Sun, Sunrise Robot, um, which I, th- I think we're going to call this episode Sunset Robot, unless one of us says something so incredibly clever. Nope, set it on the air, set in stone forever now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, Dropbox public files, um, hand-coded RSS feed, uh, all separately posted to a ghost blog that I just started because I wanted to use ghost for fun. And uh, just all of that very manual, very human, error-prone, just like, all right, here we go. And, you know, once upon a time, we were making YouTube versions that I would embed. (laughs) Yeah, and we came close way late in Sunrise Robot's life to automating that, where it was like, can we write a little script that will take this MP3, turn it into an MP4, put the cover art with it, and then upload it to YouTube? And I... uh, I know that there is a class of people out there who listen to podcasts on YouTube, but I don't know who the hell you people are, and I don't understand you. (laughs) It's just like an SEO ranking thing of like YouTube is prominent in search results, so be there. Yeah, and and I totally get that. And and you know, as I said at the top, like we didn't put a whole lot of effort into advertising and marketing because. I mean, this is a hobby. Like, it's something we both love to do, but it's definitely a hobby. We're not trying to become millionaires. Um, All the money we made from our Patreon supporters, which, you know, thank you. We'll thank you guys repeatedly. But, you know, that all went right back into equipment and hosting fees. And, um, you know, now we're going to spend pretty much every dime that's left on, uh, you know, like special surprise. And like, it's it it was not like how we put food on the table and a roof over our head. No, not at all. No. Um, but, I mean, it, it is such a privilege to get to do your hobby for essentially zero dollars of personal. Um, like, I mean, I, we came into it invested. Like, I had equipment. I had experience. But, you know, it's not like people were paying for my training to mix things or something. <laughs> but uh, it's nice to get to do your hobby for free, essentially. Um, that's Not everyone gets to do that. Yeah. And, and I've told people when they ask, you know, they find out they're like, Oh, you podcast. Like I've always thought about starting a podcast. And if they had asked me, you know, like on day one, I would have been like, well, first find a guy who's already a musician and has (laughs) hundreds of dollars worth of microphones and editing software, and then be friends with him. And then, then you're ready to start. Right. Cause at the time, like that's kind of what it seemed like it took. And now there's podcasting has was starting because we started, I think, the year Serial started, didn't we? I think so. So we we came into it like we paddled into that wave at the exact right moment <laughs> when, you know, people who'd been podcasting for five, eight, ten years were looking around and they were like, hey, Serial, like we were already here doing this. Like you guys didn't even know this was a thing. So, you know, we we caught it at the time when the tooling just became incredible and to look back and think not only 
is ghost like totally falling off the map for us personally, <laughs> as well as like kind of in technology. Um, but Dropbox is killing the very feature we were relying on <laughs> to host the show. Like no one will next year, no one will ever be able to host a podcast like that again. Like that free Avenue to hosting is dead or will, will soon be dead. Yeah. Um, but, you know, al- along with the whole hobby explanation, I mean, the Sunrise Robot was such a great excuse for us to scratch other hobby itches. Um, you got to play with Middleman for a production reason, um, just trying to use that to run a podcast network. And, you know, was that personally satisfying for you? Uh, it was actually super satisfying for me because I, uh, I've i always said, like, I'm not an engineer, but I play one on TV. Like, <laughs> I can read code a little bit, and I can write code a little bit less than that. And it's it's something I'm deeply fascinated by because automation and, and having, you know, the ability to create your own tooling is, I think, a, a very powerful skill set to have. But I've never been in a job where I was able to say, okay, everybody leave me alone for eight hours a day every day while I become a full-time developer because it's always been tangential to my my career. And it it's not something I had to do with Sunrise Robot. I mean, there's a million different hosts. At the time we were making these decisions, there was a million hosts, and now there's 10 million different hosts and <laughs> ways to record and ways to publish. And um, in fact, the the host that Eclectic Readers, which is continuing on, will probably go to, didn't even exist when we were making this decision two years ago where we were going to host Sunrise Robot. So like, yeah. it's it's grown that fast. Um, but I actually got like a little tiny taste of what it's like to really be a developer because Middleman is an open source project. I found kind of like a bug a little bit sort of in their API. And so like I had to go in and I was discussing it with the maintainers and I was like, I'm asking for this and it's returning this. And they were like, you're right, it kind of shouldn't be doing that. But also what you're doing is like dumb and weird. Don't do that. (laughs) So so like I got to go through some of those like day-to-day things that a a real developer would deal with and, you know, like ask other people to contribute back code and, you know, be part of that community. So it was like a whole big learning experience that I'll, you know, I now get to carry on even past the life of the, the need for that original experience. Yeah. And I mean, on my side, I got to, even though I, I we haven't made that many updates to the design over the two years, um, but, you know, I got to build a uh, bootstrap website just from scratch, and that was just really fun to do, um, just figuring out all the, the media breakpoints. And uh, I, even though it, it wasn't that much fanfare, just getting a, a Helios into the header was really fun this past uh, <laughs> summer <laughs> while I was staying at your house in my... Uh, twilight of my denver days (laughs) (laughs) and i remember like i was trying out different mock-ups and i wanted to be lazy but i showed you like an idea for putting them in the header and you're like well now that i've seen it you have to do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah there were some of those fun like because i mean you do a lot of creative work it's your hobbies and now is your career so like for me it was getting to dip my toe more into creative stuff that i don't normally get to so and plus, it's always easy to point and be like, artist person, make art. <laughs> go, go draw art. Yeah. And do you, uh, did you, had you used GitHub or anything before this? Oh, not so much GitHub. I've, I was learning Git just from taking some, uh, what's the team treehouse, like just taking some programming courses ah, that were teaching yeah. me Git. So it was nice to have a real world reason to commit to get repos and just be like, Oh, this is why we do this. 
Yeah, so technically the entirety of Sunrise Robot is open source because we just used GitHub, like a free <laughs> GitHub instance to to share code back and forth. So like when we publish an episode, it technically goes on to GitHub first. And as far as I know, no one has ever been so clever as to say, oh, I'm going to go look at the link for the Simplecast, you right. know, the MP3 <laughs> episode before, early. <laughs> before it's actually published and grab an episode early. But, you know, I mean, people could have if they were like... <laughs> really deeply invested in getting it a few hours ahead of time. I did note that uh, we had one, I don't want to say failing, but like there were a few things that I expected to use GitHub for that it ended up not uh, really being right for, which is like real-time collaboration, because unlike a properly maintained project, we just, everything just went to master. Like, with a couple right. of design exceptions, right? So, like, if you were doing design work, but every once in a while, I would just say, like, okay, I'm going to do a thing, and then my little, you know, terminal <laughs> would be like, oh, hey, you're out of sync with the main repo, and I'd be like, crap, I just <laughs> overwrote something Mike did, so then I would have to, like, you know, back and sync your changes in and then, like, republish mine, and you learn a surprising amount about the uh, the wizardry that is Git when you just break your entire website because you couldn't be bothered <laughs> to check the status of the repo before you yeah. published. Which is actually, come to think of it, another terrible thing we used Git for, which was uh, Middleman has built-in publishing tools like where it will deploy your website to your host. And <laughs> for the, the majority, maybe like 60 or 70% of Sunrise Robot's life, we were using Git to sync the files onto our web host uh which is dumb and you shouldn't do that if you're using middleman (laughs) or jekyll because these things have built-in publishing tools that are way faster and like do error checking and stuff like that so yeah your tool chain never stops improving even after you've been doing something for three years and it's so easy to stick with well this is what we did at first so it's what I know. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, you can see how that, like, devil I know, this is the way we've always done it mentality, especially when it's, like, your job and it's, it's like, crucial to the business. You can see how that takes deep hold. So one of the things... Well, actually, I want to hear you talk about learning to mix audio because I know this was something that was legit new for you. Like, to my knowledge, you hadn't really done any serious editing of audio in your life before this. Is that true? So in... In college, I took a class that was like one of those terrible classes around the the turn of the millennium that was like uh, mixed media and media <laughs> arts and some kind of terrible. Did you make a flash animation? Uh, yes, and a a Photoshop uh, where I had to take the outline of something and turn it into a shadow, so it was like a silhouette of a Whoa. person, but then it was like a shadow, so you could see through it. It was like, ooh. I mean, it it might as well have been called like Desktop Publishing 101. Like it was, you know, even though it wasn't that long ago, it feels like ages. Did you use Adobe Page Mill? (laughs) No, I didn't get that deep into it. Um, But I did use Audacity to edit a small amount of audio that I cannot for the life of me remember what it was about. Um, But that was like probably my one and only experience doing any kind of sophisticated audio editing. And then when uh, we were spinning up Sunrise Robot and you were going to have more responsibilities, I was like, well, you can teach me how to edit audio and then I can mix flipping tables because <laughs> surely that's a reasonable thing for me to offer to learn how to do. <laughs> and uh, 
I think probably the the most like privileged part of that whole experience was you as a musician were using Logic. Logic is not cheap. It's like two hundred dollars. Yeah, it used and, to be a thousand dollars. Okay, well now we have an anchor point. So thanks for that. <laughs> um, but you know, instead of you teaching me the basics and then me having to apply them to different software, I was able to just go out and buy Logic. So you were able to literally say, push that button, then this button. This is what this meter tells you. Ignore <laughs> that thing over there. Like That made the entire learning process much, much simpler. And yeah. as you said, mixing audio for voice, totally different than, than for music. Yeah. And, I mean, you're just limiting your variables. It's a very narrow frequency range. Uh, a lot of tolerance for mistakes and, and room noise that people are just going to forgive. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just, I mean, yeah, mixing music is like you got to get instruments to get out of the way of each other. And you also have to pay attention to like an aesthetic result that matters. <laughs> and so that's all just way more complicated and way more, oh, I got to learn so many things. Well, by the time, I don't know, we were probably into like the mid hundreds, I was doing full listen edits of every episode. So for... 70 episodes i would listen Dedicated. yeah every, every single episode i listened you know front to back and if we had crosstalk or you know i had to silence out or, or not silence but like censor out swear words and um then in in the last i don't know 20 episodes or so maybe um i just i had to give up on that because <laughs> well, we were... coinciding with it was switching to you mixing was also switching to 99 percent skype recorded episodes Yes. So that just came with the the input latency and the just the it's just a fact that we're going to interrupt each other more when we're not live in the same room and so that like when I did some pulp which was always a remote show except for the few times my dad visited uh it was always a case of stylistically I wanted the gaps to be shorter than they were between questions and comments and so that's just almost its own mixing situation anyway yeah, and that was pretty much what I gave up on after <laughs> a while. Not because I, I don't see the value in it, but we've been now doing this long enough that like when we record, like right now, we don't even have our cameras on because we've gotten a pretty good sense of the rhythm. And I mean, admittedly, like when I listen back to episodes, it's like, eh, if I'd done a full listen edit, I would have cut that part out. Or And by part, I mean like that half a syllable or that little <laughs> tiny pause, like very small edits, but that changes the editing process from like a 30 minute process to like a two hour process yeah. or, or like 15 minutes to like two hours. I mean, it's a huge, like damn near order of magnitude increase in time commitment. Yeah. So a lot easier to just sample various parts of the episode to make sure we didn't drift crazy out of sync and then just push it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, especially since we've gotten good about not dropping F-bombs every single episode. Um, I don't even have to make timestamps for... You know, how hard so it was for me not to drop one right after you said that. I know. My fingers were near the keyboard. I was like, am I going to have to write down the timestamp? Is he about to swear at me? <laughs> but, I mean, that, you know, when you're you're not doing that, you can basically line up the tracks and just skip, 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 skip. Make sure, you know, because it's, it's I record the master track, so I have to make sure your voice hasn't drifted too much. And then make 
small corrections. It's actually been doing pretty good lately. And now that I've said that out loud, this one will be a nightmare <laughs> to mix. Um, but it, it's actually been pretty good for a while. So it was just like, check, 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 chop the ends, music, ship. Or, well, when, I guess music, compressor, ship. When me and Duncan have been gaslighting each other on latency lately, just we're like, we wait three seconds and then answer the question. Just for funsies? <laughs> Not during the episode, but just before we start. Just like, can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> See if anybody's listening and they have a strip silence out. That's not, they're not going to get I that. Know. It's not going to make any sense. Um, so one of the things that's going to be an enduring legacy for me personally is our titles. And I, we sort of set up the standard of like, pick your three favorite titles. And I was like, ha ha, how about 40 of my favorite titles? <laughs> yeah. But I, I readjusted my bolded selection since you also picked one of the ones I picked. So I wanted, oh, to, I I wanted was, to make sure we I had six. I thought it was six. cute that we had overlap. <laughs> Whatever. We're going to read more than three of these each anyway. <laughs> Definitely. Has but uh, I think we should go through some of our favorite episode titles. So, so, so do you want to do the, the non-bolded ones first and then save those for the end? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what, what, what was one of the, the contenders that didn't make it? Uh, for me, treating people like garbage for no reason. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just a funny title. Like, there's, there's nothing overly clever. It's just funny sounding. Yeah, I, speaking of not overly clever but funny sounding is... Modern Dude Bro Kill Field of Duty 6 Titan Drop Hardened Edition Ultra Redux HD+. <laughs> I had forgotten about that one until I saw it in your list. And I was like, that one was just like committed to being ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that one wears its comedy right out there on its sleeve. Uh, or how about, uh, I just assumed I would have bread forever. Yeah, so I almost picked that one because when I got to it, like I literally just went through every single shipped title and when I got to that one, I kind of paused and like mouthed it out loud to myself and mouthing it out loud to myself was what made me chuckle at it <laughs> because it's just a funny sentence. Like I just assumed we would have bread for, were we talking about like an RPG or something or <laughs> I don't know that that's what it, so some of these I noticed I could remember exactly what their context was and that one, I have no idea. Like yeah. I, I really don't know. And same with the treating people like garbage. I don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, these are... So we're we're going more or less in, you know, chronological order. So some of these are way back in the day. Um, I also... Uh, I was a big fan of five-finger explodey gesture for the, the way you reveal the desktop on a, a Mac trackpad. And that one has a special place in my heart because anytime I do that gesture in front of someone and they go... How did you do that? I'm like, oh, you mean the five finger exploding gesture? <laughs> so you're spreading the word that that's what it's called. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's like become a part of my life. In fact, a few of these are now just things I say. So it's like it's <laughs> it's nice that I'll get to carry them with me. Uh, I'm a fan of I expertly removed the bullet I shot into your chest. <laughs> do you, Do you remember context for that one? Because <laughs> I really uh, do not. It's just somehow like taking credit for the solution to a problem you created, but I don't know specifically what we were talking about. <laughs> um, I like uh, the future is cat suits and donut hats, which was that was episode one thirteen. That has to be Nintendo's. I'm fairly sure Mitomo. that was no. I think it was. Oh crap! It might be Mitomo. I thought it was. Uh, I was thinking it was Super Mario Land three, Super Mario three D Land. Oh, that, Land three D Super Mario. <laughs> That is definitely Super Mario 3D World. <laughs> is that it? 
Yeah. Because <sighs> there's cat suits. I don't know if there's donut hats. Um, <laughs> But there's definitely cat suits. Well, this is what now you you made it. I'm not sure because I think donut hats were in Mitomo. It's definitely some Nintendo nonsense. Um, I I'm surprised it's not in my bolded list. But I have to be at the seaport by two is gold. <laughs> yeah, I ended up with that one in my list as well. And uh, my I, I'll do this as my final non top three is uh, who do I punch to advance this story. <laughs> I also almost picked that. <laughs> I just, I love, <laughs> I love the mentality toward video gaming that that conveys because at that point you're you're very aware you're playing a game like you're not. <laughs> it's not like when you 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 know somebody crinkles their their wrapper next to you in the movie theater and you're like ah oh, now I know I'm in a movie theater again. <laughs> like if all you're thinking is who do I punch to advance the story, you are fully aware you're playing a video yeah. game and you're fine with it. Well, it's like Leslie Nielsen walking around the set frame in that police, <laughs> whatever TV that show. Is, that might be the greatest visual gag in all of cinema. It's just so good. And then my last non-final picked one, uh, Under the Thumb of Big Cookie. I'm just really proud of <laughs> that variation on the, the joke about some obscure niche of society being a giant lobby for government. <laughs> Was that 148 or 149? That was recent. Uh, was that last episode? Yeah, 149. Yeah, so 149. Nice. <laughs> so right up to the end, good titles. That's right. So uh, coming in at, these are not in order. Coming in at my number three for the my all-time favorite titles, uh, if you look younger than Christopher Lee, I got to card you. <laughs> because that is another one of those things that I carry with me. Every time someone cards me, somewhere in the back <laughs> of my mind, I think, well, I still look younger than Christopher <laughs> Lee. <laughs> Uh, and he was still alive when we made that title, I'm pretty sure. That's, I assume he's still alive somewhere anyway. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, some he, he's got to get some kind it's of... like living as a matter of location. Not I, I mean, like a, a heaven, a Valhalla, like a, you know, a, a whatever. <laughs> I'm going to go with Valhalla. Uh, my third best was probably superlatives are the best. <laughs> Which is the first part of a multi-part joke where you say comparatives are better... Um, we, you contradict it by saying comparatives are better, and then you're like, ah, declaratives are good. <laughs> <laughs> I like, Grammar jokes. <laughs> I, like, I like that that has, that's like just the punchline <laughs> of a multi-part title in your mind. Uh, coming in at number two for me is the person with the scalpel will realize I'm serious. And <laughs> that has I, to be Last of Us, right? <laughs> it, it's exactly Last of Us, and that's why that one holds a special place in my heart, because that is such a an incredibly deep and moving moment and i have a very clear memory of playing through it in the game and like how serious and weighty that scene is and i also have a very clear memory of telling you that the second time i played through i shot the doctors in a different (laughs) order to see if they would respond differently so again i was willing to step outside of the the immersion and accept that I was playing a video game just to see what happened. Uh, my second best uh, has to be you miss 100% of the likes you don't ask for, <laughs> which is, I love it because that's a Wayne Gretzky quote about missing 100% of the shots you don't take. And just like taking that sports achievement inspiration and applying it to like this crappy person trying to get likes on the internet, like, please like my thing. Just, I love the contrast of like, 
noble endeavor to personal excellence to like like my status please hey guys it's your boy lions make sure you like rate and subscribe this video i'm gonna talk for about 90 more minutes before i actually show you how to change this light bulb <laughs> exactly maybe that's why we had trouble putting these episodes on youtube we were like do we want to be associated with youtube yeah we wouldn't hawk it like serious people would and then uh my number one which uh, I think we can both agree is one of the greatest titles out of 151 different titles. Just gunshots for 15 to 30 seconds. <laughs> well, that one's one of. Was it the only time we paired it with a custom intro? It's not the only time, but it might be one of like two. <laughs> I, I, if it's not the only one, I think it only happened maybe one other time. But it, yeah, the beginning of that episode is literally just gunshots for like 15 <laughs> seconds. And do you remember why we were talking about that? <laughs> um crap uh i'm gonna say we were either making fun of shooters or maybe for some reason i'm thinking maybe metal gear solid (laughs) i don't know why but that just rings true to me (laughs) (laughs) so much noise at the beginning and then i think my 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 top title just because we were so mean to this company so much of this podcast is uh some of my best friends are microsoft (laughs) Yeah, I had that among my my not selected for the top three because of that exact same reason. <laughs> we we were really hard on Microsoft over the last three years, and our our little like bless their heart kind of caveats before were just so half hearted. Like eh, like less, Microsoft's good, but here I'm going to crap all over them for the next twenty minutes. Yeah, and you They're know doing fine. They're, they're, yeah, hey, hey, man, you're doing fine. You're doing... <laughs> you smell great. Yeah, it's fine. You smell great. Uh, new Surface Studio looks great. No, yeah. you, know, you want to hear the greatest praise of the Surface Studio I could possibly come up with anecdotally? Sure. Marco Armet thinks it's neat. Whoa. He, yeah. That's a guy who doesn't really like anything. Not only does he not really like anything, but he barely likes Apple stuff. <laughs> That he's is, their biggest fan and he hates them. It's yeah, one of those. He he's the Paul Theron of Apple. <laughs> so that that was that that actually made me consider like when is the next time I will be at a mall so I can go try out the service that studio? Was it, it just the word neat, period. <laughs> like neat. No, no. He he talked about editing audio and, and photos on it using the pencil and the dial and the angle because it's at like a drafting table angle. I mean, like he he was a fan of all the things. I have you to would say expect. that is one of the most interesting things to me is the drafting table aspect of it. It's just like yes, <laughs> yeah. Even as someone who's not a an artist, I still see the benefit in that angle for a touch interface, right? Because yeah. it's vertical enough that you don't feel like you're looking straight down in your lap. And it's it's horizontal enough that you don't feel like you're gorilla arming, as you like to say, out in front of you to touch your monitor. So the, the drafting table angle may actually be useful for, you know, just a, a straight up touch OS. I mean, think yeah. about how you hold a tablet or a phone in front of you. It's not straight up and down and it's not straight on its back. It's at about a 45 yeah. degree angle. Let's Man, do it. <laughs> I'm going to miss these titles. Uh so we both took no notes of value for this next section of reminiscing. Is is there any topics you wish we had discussed that we didn't? Yeah, I not really. And I can't think of anything that we didn't really talk about. I'm sure I mean I'm sure there's topics we didn't talk about, but like anytime something would come up, it'd be like, Yep, let's do it. 
Yeah, there, there's nothing that I feel like we missed. Like, anytime – there's lots of things we bumped, and there's lots of things that we bumped for multiple weeks, and then we were like, forget it. We're just never going to talk <laughs> about this. But there's nothing that either of us or both of us thought was important or felt like we had a lot to say, whether or not that had any value, that we we didn't then talk about. So I, I really don't feel like we missed anything – which I think is like, it's kind of good. Like I put this in here cause I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah. And I even popped through like a few old things to see like, is there anything that I like archive that we never, and no, not, no, we're fairly diligent. I mean, it helps that we're talking about stuff at a, a level that's deeper than a tweet, but is not like market analysis like we're not trying to get anybody to invest in a company right so yeah. we were able able to kind of go to the level of depth that that we were comfortable going to but we also never had to shy away from a topic because it was outside of our depth because eh, it's just two white guys sharing their opinions into microphones <laughs> now anything we spent too much time on and my answer is comcast 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 <laughs> so before i respond why do you say that? Do you feel like we gave them more attention than they deserved? Do you feel like they're not worthy of all the vitriol we threw their way? Do you feel like they are worthy of the vitriol, but in like <laughs> they just should be ignored and shunned? Like, why did we talk about them too much? I think it comes down to it's just a bummer thinking about them. And it's just not that we have to have a sunshine, artificially happy show because it's called <laughs> Flipping Tables. And so in a certain way, it's the perfect topic for our show because... Comcast. I'm going to make you edit that one. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's, they, they deserve it. But uh, nonetheless, it's just like, you know, we could have a couple of those and then it's good. But I don't know. It's just like I'm never excited to hear about it, but they deserve the anger. Like I wouldn't back off on that at all. Yeah. And I, I think part of what you are, are saying, and I'm going to just basically restate is, like there's nothing but complaining to be done about them for like 99% of their customers because they have no alternative. There's no other provider they can go to. So it's just like water is wet. And I don't, I don't like that. It's like, yes. Okay. But what are you going to do about it? And I think anything else we complained about, whether we offered alternatives or solutions or not, they at least probably existed. Whereas like when you complain about Comcast, it's just like, but I don't want to give up the internet and there are literally no other providers because they have a monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> um, that being said, I do full on agree that we probably gave Comcast a little more time than we might have otherwise. So uh, I will heartily agree with your F*** you Comcast. And now, you know, since I've censored this one anyway, <laughs> um, but I will say just uh, by way of coincidence, I was uh, driving to the store the other day and you know those trucks, it's kind of like a, it's like a little bit bigger than a pickup truck, but it's got no pickup truck bed. There's just a gigantic billboard in the back. Yeah. So I drove past one of those right in my neighborhood, like maybe two blocks from where I live for CenturyLink. And basically, because CenturyLink is already offered in my area, but it's like super crappy. It's like six down and like half a meg up. Like, nope, sorry. Um, but they do offer gigabit in downtown Denver, which is, you know, quite a bit away. I'm like, do they the really suburbs. though? Because they were promising that for years when I lived basically in downtown Denver. As and far as just, I know, it's actually available. Wow. I mean, I don't live just, there. 
it was just a nice like marketing line that wasn't really useful to real humans for so long. Yeah, as far as I know, it is actually available. And whether it is or not, I don't care because I don't live in Denver. But if they bring it here to the suburbs where I live, <laughs> that would be phenomenal. So I've got my fingers crossed that after I don't have a, com- a uh, podcast to complain about Comcast on anymore, I will actually not have to complain about them anymore because I won't be a customer of theirs. That would be amazing. Absolutely. And See, uh, yet did, another option. <laughs> yeah, I did. I Part of me wants to say Apple, like maybe we spent too much time talking about Apple, but I can't genuinely back that up because we talk mostly about the consumer side of technology, not enterprise technology, not educational technology, not, uh, you know, um, like manufacturing, you know, like super <laughs> low level machine technology. Like it's mostly consumer tech and you know, like Apple or not, they are a very strong player in that arena right now. Well, it's kind of like Trump in politics. Like, it's suffocating how relevant he is now to everything. And even though I don't think Apple is as toxic as Trump is to our <laughs> politics, um, it's that kind of situation where I can I totally get when people are like, I'm so sick of hearing about Apple. And, like, I I totally get that. But it's also like they are just involved and they're interesting and they're they're doing stuff that matters and it's not that no other company does stuff that matters of course like google matters microsoft matters all these companies matter but um there's just some weird way they they worm themselves into the limelight and it's not always legit you're like duh you made a round mouse and that was stupid and you deserve to be made fun (laughs) of because that was really stupid uh but it's just kind of like yeah like love them or hate them they're kind of part of a lot of conversations. Well, and so somewhere around the middle of the life of the show, and I don't think we ever like formally announced this. I think this was just something you and I like kind of decided as the host is the, we didn't want to just be straight up news of the week. Like anybody can just read you the headlines from Google now and tell you like Google bought this company. Apple's doing that. Microsoft is building this. Like that's not terribly exciting. And you know, the, the whole point of a show like this even though like we're obviously aware that there's an audience is like, this is really just you and I talking. So we tried to pick a smaller number of topics, even though they were usually, um, what would you call, uh, not like time relevant. Like it was something that had happened recently and then discuss that in like a little bit more depth. And when you're talking about consumer technology, that's going to involve Apple a lot because (laughs) they're going to do something good or bad. And then there's going to be a lot to critique, you know, how does that affect Apple? How does that affect the market of that product? How does that affect other like tangential markets? Um, there's just the, I mean, yeah, I mean, love, love them or hate them. Like there's <laughs> just a lot going on there. And, and I mean, I don't think we gave less time to other companies because of Apple. It's just that they're like in everybody's freaking face right now and yeah. have been for, you know, basically since the iPhone, and I mean, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, as much as I, I have enjoyed Apple's products over the years, that I'm willing to be critical of them and, and you're not shy about being critical of them. No. So it's not like this is uh, an Apple fanboy podcast that's just like worshiping them. Um, I, I felt like we were always trying to provide context and think more deeply about what's going on than just like blindly praising them or something. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't, I mean, certainly not me. And I don't even (laughs) think you, like there wasn't a lot of blind praise. Like it was mostly either review, like what do we think this is going to change 
more expansively outside of Apple or or critique. Like I, I mean, I'm I'm sure if one of our listeners could tell me I'm a big fat liar, but <laughs> I I don't really think if I listen back to all the episodes that it was just a lot of gushing about like, oh, look at this thing they did, and this is so great, and don't you wish other companies were this wonderful? Like that just doesn't feel like either of us and how we talk about things we're usually we're usually pretty negative so Uh. it's unfortunately that's what like is taken to a toxic level with tv news is like being negative is more interesting to viewers than being happy yeah and i mean (laughs) there were definitely things we were pro on i mean uh the surface you know a lot of the things that google has done with uh android and a lot of the directions apple has forced the rest of the market to kind of go in like we're positive on those things but just saying like that thing that they obviously think is a good thing because they did it (laughs) we agree that it's a good thing like that that just doesn't feel like it's a ton of contribution right so your options are why are they wrong that this is a good thing (laughs) you know what bad things are they glossing over or why is this a good thing and when you're talking about a company like apple that just it feels shilly to, to because they're so secretive it feels like weirdly shilly to be like i'm going to apologize for them when they yeah. so obviously don't care about apologizing themselves and then with a company like microsoft or google like they explain themselves like they go to great lengths to explain why they do every single thing that they do so yeah. you don't really have to defend them there's kind of only room left for critique at the table it's true. It's like they're they're making their case in the positive, so it's more useful to say like, well, what else is there to say about this? Um, I also think there's some degree of like on bits and pieces we tried to make a point of not like being like, here's a U two song, here's a Radiohead song, <laughs> even though I did pick a uh, Radiohead song eventually, but um, it's like they everyone knows who they are and they like them or don't like them and they're fine. It's like let's try to find music people haven't heard yet. And not in like a full like hipster, you probably haven't heard of them, but just in the interest <laughs> of sharing new music. And so, you know, when we're talking about Apple, it's like, yeah, their screens are beautiful. We don't need to spend any minutes on how beautiful the screen looks. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, because then, then you really are just marketing for them. So enough back padding for, <laughs> for that. Um any other reminiscing things as as we are 48 minutes or less, a little less, into our final episode? Uh, I mean, I'm just, I you know, I'm sure I'll say this again while we're closing out. But I mean, like, I'm just, you know, I'm going to miss this. Like, I'm sad to see it wrap up as as much as I know that this is the right thing. And like, I, I listened to the last episode of, of Bits and Pieces, of course, because I listened to all the episodes of Bits and Pieces. And you know, like you, you and, and Matt kind of arrived at the same sort of decision that you and I arrived at, which is like, could I find somebody to replace you or do this solo or try and transform it? Like, yeah. I mean, like we have, I think a, a good rapport and, and we have a good thing going, but that's, there's no good reason to hit this with a hammer until it keeps marching like, and just, you know, sunset it and be really proud of what we did and, and remember fondly the time that we spent doing it. And then if I'm able to continue podcasting, great. If not, fine. But, you know, the it, it's kind of like um, somebody who stays in a relationship like long after they should have broken up. <laughs> like we're, we're parting amicably and, and you and I are not done as friends, I don't think. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, if the, if the project is done, 
I mean, was there's no other way this could have ended. Like, unless yeah. we both had like a simultaneous like a murder suicide. Like, the show was always going to eventually not outlive us. Yeah. When I almost think of the, you know, when we were making fun of the Apple design book, the $200 coffee table book, I, I pulled out that, that Jobs quote about, like, after you do something pretty good, uh, maybe just go do something new. And I, I feel like I'm kind of <laughs> at that point of, like, it's not that I think flipping tables was, there was nothing else to talk about or, like, it couldn't continue to be good. It was just kind of like, I'm just ready for some new things. And I think that's you know, overall a healthy attitude, as long as you're not like bailing on things everywhere all the time immediately. Like you don't want to be a quitter, <laughs> but you know, 150 episodes doesn't feel like being a quitter to me. It's like, okay, we, we created a body of work that we're proud of and I kind of want to see what else I can do. And yep. I think that's three, kind of the sentiment. Three continuous years <laughs> of nonstop work on a single project. Like that's literally longer than I spent at the job where we met and started this project. So, yeah. so Flipping Tables has outlived... A bigger the, legacy than yeah, the, the context under which Flipping Tables started. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not... Uh, it's sad to see it go, but it's also hard to feel guilty about moving on to the next thing. And I mean, particularly, like, my schedule is really bizarre because of the, the type of work that I do. And, you know, you've physically relocated to a different time zone and like you have projects you want to put your energy into. So it's, it's like, it, it's just, we yeah. probably would not have started the show under these conditions. So it's right. not surprising that it's, it's, it's the inertia you know. that kept it going for this long. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I do will say that I've really enjoyed hosting the show with you. I think it's a, you know, yeah, maybe we could replace each other and still have a great tech show, but I think it's been a really great balance. I think um, you are really good at just, filling the air with so many thoughts and I, I, I I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the role of more gadfly more like I'm gonna poke holes in this I'm gonna kind of snipe and uh, say things from the sidelines and occasionally I'll have a rant or I'll have a longer piece like oh, I've got a lot to say about this but um, you know if if I was exactly like you I don't know that it would have worked as well and I kind of enjoyed our difference in temperament yeah absolutely and and I think I'm glad you you described our relationship that way because uh, <laughs> I happened to record an episode of this. I don't think I told you this. I recorded an episode of this uh, in front of somebody while I was on the road. <laughs> and they obviously could only hear my side because, you know, I had monitors on. And then after, uh, this person said to me, so what do you say, like seven words to every one of his? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but his words are worth seven of mine. So... <laughs> It's like that's how we strike a balance. Is like I'm trading in copper and Mike's trading in gold. So like we have to, you know, there's like a ratio to maintain. Uh, so I did kind of propose one actual flipping tables topic to close out the episode, which is uh, less about news of the week and more what I'm calling irresponsible predictions for the future of technology. <laughs> Nintendo is, is doomed. Sorry. <laughs> It's something we shied away from most of the time is like bold, wild predictions. But I thought, you know, for our last episode, it'll be a nice lasting legacy to see how horribly wrong we are about all these things. And uh, you, you already fired off the, the starting title <laughs> of our first episode, which still feels as relevant as ever as a big question mark over the future of Nintendo. Yeah, three years later, I'm actually more convinced. I mean, it was like a joke title to begin with, but now like time has sort of made fools of us all. 
And <laughs> I genuinely think uh, they're going to move to a publishing or mobile only. And I'll say, when I say mobile only, like the Switch might have a lot of success as a mobile platform, but no one will consider it powerful enough to be a, a console level experience. Yeah. So maybe Nintendo is just the, they make experiences that are fun for the hip modern person on the go. <laughs> The the pickup basketball. Let's sit at a picnic table and play <laughs> with tiny controllers. Yeah, I mean, um, we don't have to do a full Super Mario Run review, but like, it's great. Yeah, like, I'm it, really it, enjoying it, and I'm I'm sinking into the coin challenges, and I'm like, yes, like it's not just about hopping through the levels. It's the like Nintendo's perfect blend of like, if you want it, here are the deeper challenges kind of set up. Yeah, so maybe I'll I'll mod that prediction to be. Nintendo, as we know it, is doomed. <laughs> wonder how that's going to come across with the compression. I, I have lots of sad predictions. Uh, <laughs> I, I think tech is going to be more politicized and not less. Um, you know, we had the big FBI-Apple sort of battle uh, of the past year, earlier this year, and uh, I think that's going to get worse. Or, you know, maybe worse is the wrong adjective, but it's going to get more complicated. No, worse um, is the correct adjective. Because, uh, I mean, I think in the simple metric of how many lobbyists do tech companies have, um, I think that's only been increasing because whatever, like, happy balance they've had in the past of, like, we do our thing over here making fun gadgets and you run countries is now colliding more and more. And I think that's um, that's going to hit us in surveillance, going to hit us in health care. Um, it's going to hit us in security. And I think there's going to be lots of reasons for regular people to care about nerd stuff uh, more than ever before. Do you think there's any hope of them getting skilled up on things like encryption and two-factor auth and good uh, internet behaviors and things before it's way too late? Because I feel like it's already (laughs) too late, but before it's way too late... Uh, I mean, the history, I think, of of our society is that things get really bad before we fix them. So the lateness is a given. Um, (laughs) I I think what I worry about is not so much will the government figure out encryption. It's will they allow regular people to benefit from it and not just the government. Um, And that's sort of the, the William Gibson, the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed kind of thing. And uh, I think that's a prediction I'd make, too, is the future will be even less evenly distributed. There will be haves and have-nots even worse. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be like mass production providing cheap products to everyone, and that'll be kind of awesome. But who knows? Well, I feel like I may have mentioned this on the show before, but something that a lot of people who are big fans like myself of the Star Trek future often forget is there was a world war between what we think of as modern day, like today, 2016, and the Star Trek future 300 years from now. Like, a lot of people died, and the people who didn't die went through a lot of suffering. <laughs> like, yeah. Things, uh, as as you just said, like, we allowed things to get really, really bad before they got better. And part of the reason they got better is because, oh, God, what's his name? Is it something Cochrane who invents the warp drive? And the Vulcans uh, going by. Yes, the wrong guy. <laughs> they they see, they detect the warp signals, so they come and visit Earth, and that's like the unifying moment. Is we're like, oh no, we're not alone in the universe, and 
it it's deeply alarming that a lot of science fiction has that in common. Like, you know, it would get people to not kill each other having something else to kill. Which, I mean, one of my favorite <laughs> twists on that genre or that archetype is uh, one of Philip K. Dick's short stories, which is nuclear war has pushed humans underground and there's like robot intelligence that like provides them news about when the surface is safe enough to live on again. And the, the twist in the story, spoiler alert, is the, the intelligence is just telling people it's not safe because it'll be better for humanity to believe there's an uninhabitable war going on above ground forever uh, for the peace. <laughs> so while we're ruining interesting post-apocalyptic short stories, <laughs> there's a, a very excellent series of books called Wool, or at least the first one is called Wool. But anyway... It's it's the same kind of idea, and I am about to ruin this, so skip ahead like 90 <laughs> seconds if you don't want to hear it. Uh, the Eclectic Readers actually covered this in one of their episodes. That's why I read it, because Susan read it. Um, but they, they're in like silos, basically like underground silos. And as far as the uh, occupants of this silo are concerned, they're the only silo in the world. And if you are punished to death, you have to go up above ground and clean the gunk off the lenses on the cameras that allow them to see the surface and like monitor it. And the twist in that, which I thought was really well delivered is everybody's like, well, once you're sentenced to death and they send you above ground, like why would you clean the cameras? Like who gives a crap? Yeah. (laughs) And so this person gets sentenced to death. They go above ground. And when they're released out into the world, they see that it's not poisoned and the sky is not brown and the grass is not dead and everything is actually fine and (laughs) so they they know they can't go back into the silos so they rush over and they they clean the gunk off the lens and then they start to like walk off to the hillside and they're like haha see you later suckers i'm leaving the silo because everything up here is fine and then their suit starts to dissolve from like the acid air and they pass out and the last thing that they experience before they die is the inside of their helmet is not a clear piece of glass. It's actually a monitor and (laughs) the world really is destroyed, (laughs) but they make them think it's not destroyed because it tricks people into cleaning the cameras. (laughs) That's, that's great. Yeah. So it's like this, this whole, um, humans can only be unified when there's something to fight besides other humans is like a deeply resonant and recurring theme in sci-fi. So it's, really hard for me to argue with your assessment based on all of history that things are only going to get you know more polarized like the the haves will have more and the not the have nots will will have not more well and what i enjoy about that kind of sci-fi is they're like they're like clever versions of prisoners dilemmas where they like trick our horrible instinct into having a good result of peace and uh you know even the plot of interstellar kind of plays on that like uh, the the natural survival instinct of individuals is threatening the species. And so Michael Caine's character has to trick people into overcoming their personal survival instinct to make it possible for the rest of humanity to live. Yeah, because by and large, I think most people want to not bring harm to other people. But that's like a, a wishy-washy, hand-wavy, like, well, I don't want anyone else to get hurt. But when it's you personally under attack, like that's very real. So if it's if it's a a, a battle between the wishy washy, I don't want other people to suffer, and I specifically don't want to suffer right now, and I'm about to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Like people pretty much always choose self preservation, and I mean it's it's hard to blame them, but anyway. Yeah, 
Um, one of the less <laughs> fear-mongering versions <laughs> of future predictions is I'm going to bet on the watch form factor being solid and stable for smart devices. I think it's, uh, you know, in, despite the tepid, gradual roll-up of Android Wear and Apple Watch and all these, I, I, I would bet against, or for and not against that form factor. So for funsies, because I'm probably never going to have to come to a reckoning with this on the air, <laughs> I'm going to say, F- you, you're wrong, and it's totally going to be a head-mounted display of some kind. It's going to be sunglasses or glasses or Google Glass, something, some kind of like heads-up display. The watch is dead. Everybody hates the watch. Okay, okay. <laughs> now, I didn't bet against a, a visor, No, too. no, no, no bet hedging now, sir. This is the 11th hour. <laughs> Um, back to darkness. Uh, I think automation is going to cause wars and revolutions. <laughs> that is super dark. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what happens when you have millions of people who suddenly don't have jobs. They, they have all the time in the world and they're pissed off. And I think that's just going to be problematic for societies. I think playing into that, uh, unless you're a denier, uh, climate change is also going to cause the same thing. It's going to displace big populations who are going to suddenly be angry have nothing else to do and they're going to be in new locations and so that's just going to cause war <laughs> so this there's my like, very dark prediction this feels like the the moment that every benevolent dictator must pass through where they think if only someone had unilateral authority to stop these <laughs> foreseeable problems from happening not necessarily preventing all problems there will always be problems but if only someone like me (laughs) had the unilateral authority and and i can i mean i'm not defending anyone who's ever been a dictator but assuming that they're not comic book villains and they didn't get into it for the worst of reasons i could see why someone would say i'm going to uh rig elections and i'm going to buy people off and i'm going to basically act like a comic book villain so that I can, you know, invest in education and build huge solar farms to to remove our dependence on on fossil fuels and and you know make everyone feel guilty if they use plastic made out of oil instead of out of like renewable like plant, you know, like modern like, right. uh, plant oil whatever the hell it's called, Pl- like uh, plant plastics, vegetable plastics, um all all those things like Basically someone who's evil for the right reasons. But I'm sure that that's what every terrible person in history has thought of themselves. I, I yeah, Everyone's the hero of their own story kind of thing. Yeah, I, I have a hard time believing that even the worst of the worst people look at themselves in the mirror and go, hey, comic book villain, like, you know, <laughs> who are you going to tie to a train tracks today? Like, I just don't think... That that's how most humans are wired to behave. I mean, if you're like a psychopath, then sure, you're evil and you're fine with it. But but those people don't typically have the organizational skills to rise to super high levels of power. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't want someone to become an evil dictator over America or over the world. But I kind of wish someone would just step in and be like, universal healthcare, universal basic income, automation for everything that it makes sense for, solar arrays everywhere, anything that uses fossil fuels is banned in the next 4 years like and just make all these like sweeping we need to do these things for the future to get here yeah. declarations because I don't see if if that doesn't happen, I can't imagine us as a society rallying to overcome the business interests that will lead to 
the wars and revolutions <laughs> you described. Uh, I don't. I don't know how we can avoid it anyway. Um, uh, <laughs> I. I mean, I. I know you're not really wishing for a dictatorship, but I. I just can't support that line of thinking, even though it's frustrating that the other systems of government we have aren't resulting in the change needed. And I, I think it's just the fact that big human entities are always so reactive. They're, they're more reactive than proactive, and that's just, that's just the way it is. And, uh, I mean, dictatorship, I, as I'm sure you're fully aware of, would bring so many other horrible things along with it. It wouldn't <laughs> just be universal health care and roses and, <laughs> and confetti. <laughs> it would be... You know, labor camps and prisons and, and just and like all horrible. sorts of bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so unfortunately, we can't hope for some magically amazing philosopher king to come rule <laughs> us. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be someone like Trump um, to make my feelings known. So this does or raise worse, yeah. someone competent, but like Th- Trump. This do- no. <laughs> <laughs> So, so a toddler or better. Um, <laughs> wah, 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 wah. So that, that does make me th- consider an interesting vantage point. So uh, it is, I think it's indisputable, unless you're old and just in denial, but I think it's indisputable that older people dying and younger people seizing the reins of power is generally responsible for progressivism throughout the world, right? Uh, yeah. Younger people come into a world that's already a certain way. They want to change things. And I'm not saying better or worse, but they want to progress in some way and not keep things the way they are. And then the older generation that is hanging on to their way of things dies. The younger generation <laughs> is able to change things, even if only slightly, to their their way of things. And so when I say progressivism here, I don't necessarily mean progressing in the things are getting better way. Right. But I mean, things change over time. Um you know, I think people like uh, you and myself and, and our politics, we would generally say that the way things have progressed over time has been better and more liberal and more uh, equitable generally. But there's been lots of ways where like the wealth distribution and all these other things have been terribly unbalanced and it's, it's yeah. awful. Um, but I do wonder, uh, we are at an interesting point in history where the average lifespan of a person and their ability to function in society is going way up. Where yeah, may- so the conservative forces are stronger for right. longer. And on the flip side, because of the way data is collected and everybody walks around everywhere they go with a super HD camera that is also a broadcast platform, I wonder if our societal record and our ability to access the darker parts of our history will be any kind of viable combat against uh the older yeah. it was better when i was young set that will now be involved right, the, in society rose tinted glasses we're all tempted to start putting on as soon as we hit age 40 or something yeah so do you think there's like will will the rose tinted glasses set because they're acting in the moment like will they be able to overpower our superior historical record or will the superior historical record allow the younger, more progressive set to say, no, things were not that good when you were younger. Look, here is literal video evidence. Like here's, here's documented proof that no, things were not that great and things are better now. Like our, our human society has never struck me as one that's like super big on facts. So I'm kind of worried that people living longer and thereby staying uh, socially and politically active longer will actually 
be a, a, a dead weight on what we used to consider the main force of progressivism, which is people dying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's another Steve Jobs quote is that it was his Stanford speech. He was like, one of the best things in life is death. It allows us to move <laughs> on. And once you get past the morbidity, it's kind of like, he's kind of right, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, I'm I'm 31. Uh, I'll be 32 this coming year. So I'm I'm very much right oh, on the spring chicken. You I know yeah, you, you way up there at 32 already. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we're we're right on the dividing line age-wise, not culturally speaking, because I know it's different in different parts of the world, but we're right on the dividing line of like when people start to shift more conservative and to be more like, you know, a little more uh, restrictive. Get off my and, lawn. Yeah, little, little man yells at cloud, that kind of thing. And um, I, I'm, it, it's one of the great challenges of my, my life that I would, you know, posit to anyone is to not let that happen to you. Like, don't become set in your ways. Don't stop being willing to change as you get older because otherwise like there's no reason I couldn't just say like, well, I learned how to drive on a gasoline car. So, you know, buy gum, there's nothing wrong with gasoline. And, you know, I grew up chewing on plastic toys. So buy gum, there's nothing wrong with plastic made out of fossil fuels. And, <laughs> you know, when I was your age, it was still kind of okay to march in a clan rally. So maybe some, an occasional clan <laughs> rally is okay. Like I don't want anyone regardless of of age or race or socioeconomic background to ever fall into that things were this way when i was a teenager therefore they should be that way forever <laughs> and and i don't uh i don't see that changing i don't see our educational system changing in such a way that people are going to look at technology and welcome it with open arms but also be skeptical of how it could be used evilly and you know hold our government to higher yeah. standards and Jesus Christ, this became a downer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I, I'm always thinking of also of the something Snowden has brought up, which I know he's a complicated topic for lots of people, but um, he was talking about how tech cannot just be good because of policy. Like, we need to design our technology to have our, our values embedded into how it works in the first place and not just assume well, we made this, you know, giant machine that could kill lots of people, but we have good people. Right. It's like, well, <laughs> maybe the, the trigger shouldn't be easy to pull by literally everyone, like, you know, to use a weird analogy. But well, I mean, yeah. people, this is the one of the great problems with comparing uh, digital things to physical things, because whenever someone talks about encryption, they always talk about you know, back doors into things and like, oh, well, don't you want the police to have the key or the, the don't you want the fire department to have a key to your house in case there's a fire? It's they have like, an axe, actually. <laughs> well, and more importantly, when you think about the lock on your front door, that's not actually a deterrent from someone entering your home. It is a social norm because yeah. most people's houses also have these gigantic easily enterable portholes called windows that can be defeated by a lawn yeah. chair. Locks are a nice <laughs> way to keep your friends out of your house. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's a good I've heard way the to saying. <laughs> yeah, but but digital security does not work that way. Digital security actually can be almost perfect and and in some cases damn near completely perfect. So to to say like, well, you know, certain people need to have access, like the police need to be able to get to you in case they need to help you. And it's like, this is not that. 
I know it's helpful for people who don't understand the technology to make a physical metaphor, but maybe just don't. Maybe just explain to them how it works and why it's different, <laughs> because yeah. otherwise they're never going to get it because your metaphor is faulty. No, it's just a giant <laughs> series of tubes. That's what the internet is. <laughs> That's... Oh, God, that guy. Who was that? Which senator? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Series of tubes guy. Um, we haven't mentioned the show notes this entire episode. And Whoa. although they will technically exist, as of this moment, they will be completely empty. <laughs> Which would be a new precedent. It will be. But I think it's also a little bit by design. Because the, the point of this episode was not to link to other people's crap. It was to talk about our crap. Yeah. Just self-referential links. <laughs> SunriseRobot.net. <laughs> Just episodes of flipping tables all the way down. Um, we'll I, link it, to all of the episodes in the show notes. No, I won't do that. Although it is tempting. Um, you uh, you got anything else before I put the, the final ultimate bow on this? Just that it's it's been a pleasure. I've, I'm really proud of what we did. I think we did a very good show for a very long time. And I... I hope others feel that way, um, and I'm sure I'll revisit these uh, the rest of my life. Just periodically, I'll be like, man, I want to remember when I ran a tech podcast. True that. And so uh, I guess it's kind of like a, a secret second-to-last topic um, before I put the bow on. Uh, I'll ask, Do you have? I know you have no immediate plans to do anything else in podcasting, but do you think this is something like, okay, I did that and now I'm done with that, or do you envision ever ever revisiting podcasting? I'm sure I'll want to produce some kind of show of some kind down the road, whether it's an audio podcast like this or something visual or something else. Um, but I, I have no plans right now for, for anything like that. <laughs> that I did uh, a day before we're recording this now, I recorded with my brother a final pseudo show. So that'll be another chance. And, and that show is less about ending the pseudo show, even though it is the end of the pseudo show. Um, but it's more about what creativity means to me and my brother. Um, and so, I, I mean, I imagine anything else I would make would veer towards that new chapter in my life of really making creative work everything I do. Well, and so when you become a famous visual artist, you'll be guesting on other people's creativity podcasts. That'd be so, nice. So that that could be your your continued place in podcasting is as doing the circuit. Well, I mean, you are you still kicking around an idea to start something new? Yeah. So th this is the the last thing I wanted to throw out is um, specifically to mention that uh, the Eclectic Readers Book Club is going to go on. Uh, we still have some. Uh, location details to work out, but that's all technical behind the scenes stuff that nobody has to care about. Uh, what I will say is if uh, you like that show, um, if you haven't listened to it, now's a great time to start. It's an excellent show. It's a book club as a podcast. It's phenomenal. Uh, but through the magic of RSS, if you subscribe to their RSS feed now, when they switch to a new hosting provider off of Sunrise Robot, uh, that will actually automatically redirect your subscription um, so if you are already listening to that show or, or you're choosing now to get into it, uh, definitely subscribe right now. You can follow the hosts on Twitter as well if you want to keep up with what they're doing. But uh, that way you'll you'll just pass right on to their new host and it'll be totally seamless. You won't have to do anything. Uh, and then for myself, um, I haven't talked about this too much because there's a lot of technical implementation details that myself and my, my prospective co-host have to work out. But um, you and I, Mike, we had always talked about uh, doing a like a full gaming show and what that might mm -hmm. look like. Uh, so I'm going to, we already bought the equipment. 
uh, that we need to do this. We're going to record. Do a you few- have a domain yet? Not yet. <laughs> um, so we're going to record a few pilot episodes and like kind of see because I've obviously been podcasting for a long time and I talk for a living. He hasn't and he hasn't. So um, we're going to see. Kinda, <laughs> he's a locksmith and he's a locksmith. And he's a locksmith. <laughs> so we're going to see, you know, kind of how it works for us to record together. And if it's something he's actually interested in, um, you know, continuing on with. So we're going to record a few pilot episodes, see how that goes. Uh, if if they get released, then you know they were a success. Um, and the easiest way would probably be to just follow me on Twitter at Lines in Beta. Because um, if it happens, I'll be a big loudmouth about it. <laughs> I'll look forward to being just a fan of that show. Yay. I assume, uh, so here's kind of a weird question. Uh, has not having our six shows in your podcast feed freed you up to listen to any other podcasts? <laughs> like, have you, have you backfilled anything now that you have no Sunrise Robot shows in there? Um, not so much because the, the biggest factor in whether I listen to podcasts is if I have a commute. And I don't have a commute right now. That's fair. It's surprisingly that is like the most prominent factor in if I listen to podcasts. No, that that's fair. Um, one of our our big supporters uh, throughout the life of flipping tables, uh, I asked him to help me with a technical question uh, to help turn Sunrise Robot from a, a live thing, a living, breathing entity, into a uh, an archive of itself, so that the episodes are always there. Anyone can always access them and. <laughs> I said, do you mind helping me with this? And he said, I don't really want to help you make my Tuesday commute worse. <laughs> and I was like, that's such a bittersweet way to like think about it. Because <laughs> by me asking him to do that, it was like making it very personal for him to help us kill flipping tables. Yeah. Um, but he did. put down the dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I said, I was like, I don't mean to be the shotgun salesman <laughs> when you're, you know, you walk in with old yeller and I'm like, oh, this is a beautiful double barrel. This will, this will murder your dog. Just great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so let's put the, the final bow on this. Um, Sunrise Robot will continue on for the foreseeable future. And fortunately, as marginal costs remain low, probably just forever as an archive, um, you know, forever in air quotes, we're all going to die eventually. Um, <laughs> but it's going to stay on, um, every episode that was ever published on Sunrise Robot will continue to be available. And that includes for, uh, Eclectic Readers Book Club, even once it goes on and, and continues on its new island or on its new network or, or mm-hmm. however they decide to work that out uh, the archive will still also be available here um so uh the some pulp uh, bits and pieces pseudo show eclectic readers book club um those are all phenomenal examples of evergreen content you could go back and listen to any episode any of those shows right now and yep. if you never heard it before it would be just as interesting as when it was new if you have heard it before you'll probably pick up stuff you missed the first time um, yeah, we're flipping. still figuring out the technical stuff, but Rack and Tour will probably move back to its own domain. It was kind of a partner thing, anyway. But yeah, we'll but an- another that's also phenomenal, uh, evergreen. Those stories will be interesting always um, until we live in a post-apocalyptic future where society <laughs> is unrelatable. <laughs> but uh, you know, likely story and flipping tables were a little bit more episodic. Um, but I think you should go listen to them all anyway, even if you just listened to the last episode of Flipping Tables. Maybe now go back and start over at episode zero. Yeah, your and Ender's Game critique is still wrong. It's still <laughs> super right. <laughs> um, but if you want to follow us or follow up on this final ultimate episode, uh, I think the easiest way is still going to be to find us on Twitter. I am at Lines in Beta and Mike, you are? At Pseudo Michael, S-U-D-O Michael. 
if you want to take a last few stabs at what we talked about this episode, uh, this one will have a Reddit uh, thread, just like every other episode got on our Reddit community. So you can check that out, uh, reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables. And then I guess the slash 150 sunset, uh, the hyphens and stuff in there. I don't know. Um, just go yeah. find it slash flipping tables. <laughs> um, and then uh, I, can can we pause for a second to just about the patrons? Like we've been... We started our Patreon when we moved to Sunrise Robot, right? Mm-hmm. So anybody who came on, you know, right at the beginning, uh, they came over as an, uh, a listener of, of Flipping Tables. So, um, you know, most of these folks have been with us literally the entire life of this project. Uh, and it's really flattering. I mean, you, you know, you do creative things where people have an opportunity to throw money at you. Um, I've pretty much only ever had like a regular job. So it's really flattering to do something. And for people to say, like, hey, I like what you're doing. Here's money. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. Like, I, anytime I've thought about doing something new, I've always felt a little guilty. Like, people were supporting us doing this thing we loved. And I always wanted to do right by them. And we are talking about something we're going to do for the Patreons. The Patreons. It feels, sounds like <laughs> some kind of like Transformers thing. But, um, I I can't say thank you enough to the people that have supported us uh, as we've done this. Yeah, it's it's uh, I I think that's an interesting way to think about it. Is that that it's, it is kind of like a sort of guilt, isn't it? Right? You're like, <laughs> well, these people are paying us, but they they were paying us because they liked what we were doing, not because we are beholden to them. Um, you know, so there's there's family and friends among our our patron supporters, but there's also stra- like honest to god strangers, which. Yeah. Um, you know, family and friends, I appreciate every single dollar you've given us, but the, the honest to God strangers who found the show organically and, and then decided they wanted to support us. Like that's, you know, I mean, you, you're a musician, like somebody walks up and puts a dollar in the jar or in the, the baseball cap or whatever. You're like, Hey, I don't know that person, but they really like what I'm doing. Like that's, that's a really good feeling. Yeah. Um, it's not, yeah, not to denigrate friends that support you, but it feels like well, you feel like you kind of have to, don't you? <laughs> and which I never want my friends to feel like. And I, I mean, I do think some of our friends legitimately wanted to support us because they liked it. Um, but still, it's it is really extra special when you're like, I don't even know you, and you you were willing to monetarily support this. Well, um, and that's a, a benefit of of Patreon or something like it over you know going to your friend's house show is. You know, if if you're up there playing lead guitar, you can see me standing there staring at you, and like you're like kind of making eyes at the hat. Like, <laughs> come on, you know, if if you put a few dollars in the hat, then other people put a few dollars in the hat. But you know, with you pa- see it. Yeah, but I mean, with you know, with Patreon, like everyone that we know, or or even in some cases, like we became friends with, you know, over the course of the show that that have supported us, like they didn't have to do that. You know, we weren't able to guilt them. You know, there's, there's nobody in there who we were able to make eyes at across the recording table. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's still a really big deal. It's still something tremendously appreciated. <laughs> you sound like performing music is all about like making bedroom eyes at people all the time. <laughs> is it not? I mean, I'm not a musician. I just well, assumed. At, at the very least, rock and roll is basically about sex, if not all music. So maybe are there, you're not wrong. Are there other kinds of music? <laughs> now we accidentally segued into an episode of Bits and Pieces. Uh, so <laughs> with that, for the final time, I want to give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Christoph, it's about time we said your real first name, Cunningham, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ido Bromovich, Justin Edwards, Bruce Edwards, Joan Edwards, and Warren Myers. 
We love you all so much. We could not have done this without you. We won't see you next week, but we love you. (laughs) 